got a question for you this morning. And you're like, oh, no, here we go. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? There's a, I have, <laughs> I found this list, and this is, this is a really neat list. These are actual sayings that are on tombstones, okay? I finally had to admit my mother-in-law's chicken is to die for. <laughs> That's, anyway, no, I'm not going to touch that. Dude, that really was a killer wave. Um, how much did you pay to bury me here again? <laughs> the car mechanic said the brakes were fixed this time. These were actually on tombstones. Okay. He was so brave until he forgot his parachute. Um, here lies a beloved friend who grabbed the bull by the horns but forgot to let go. She aimed for the brake but hit the gas. Yes, I've tried turning it off and then on again. We've all been there. Beneath this tombstone, my wife lies. She's at rest, and so am I. <laughs> That's what Leslie's going to have on mine. <laughs> One of my um, favorite things to do um, is, and I don't get to do it very often, but when I get a chance, is walk through old cemeteries and read tombstones. Um, you know, what do you hope people will say about you? How will the people who knew you best summarize 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years? Um, I remember one of those times going through a cemetery and inspecting the the gravestones, most of them were 150 years old and, and older, and most of the markers contained phrases like loving father, you know, beloved son, darling son, rest in peace, asleep in Jesus, you know, you've read them all, and so on. Eventually, I came to the grave of a man, and under his name, there was the date of his birth, date of his death, and then there was a five-word statement that summed up his whole life, and it simply said, a man of unquestioned integrity. Whew. A man of unquestioned integrity. Just five words, nothing more, nothing less. Suppose it was your tombstone. What five words would your friends choose? How do you want to be remembered? We're, we are in a race and some of us are, and we were talking about this earlier. We were talking about this, and not you, Dean. We pointed that out. But some of us are closer to the finish line than others. And that's just a fact. We're closer to finishing that race than some. And uh, the race is not so much to finish first, but it's to finish well. I want to show you a video of a race that illustrates how we can run a textbook race and finish poorly. And all we will be remembered for is the poor finish. I want you to watch to keep the runner in white on your mind, Colleen. Take my word for it, there's a moral to this story. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd, he wants the crowd to cheer his performance, and at the end he gets pipped 
He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can, and you know, you see his face, and you know no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Can we run that one more time, Colleen? Now, Take beware. Runner in white. Watch like what he does. He starts celebrating. Fabio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. <laughs> and at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can. And you know, you see his face. And you know, no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Wow. <laughs> he lost the race. What did he do? Things can go so well and then go so wrong, right? In that race, the runner lost focus. Took his eyes off the finish line. He was already celebrating. He won, no? <laughs> we need to maintain our focus as we're going to finish well. Uh, throughout the Bible, we find people of God who start well and yet finish poorly. We find people who run well and who stumble along the way who start poor but finish well. I want to encourage you that no matter how you've been doing on this journey of life so far, there's still time to finish well. And for those who've been running the race of life well, I want to encourage you to maintain your focus because you do not want to slip up now and finish poorly. We just saw in the video how easy it is to run well the whole way and then finish poorly. Don't let that be you. Unfortunately for the runner, this finish will haunt him for the rest of his life. No matter what else he does, no matter how many more races he wins, he'll still always be remembered for the guy that gave up, right? Don't let that be you. Today, we're going to take a look at one person in the Bible who's a great example of finishing well on the journey of life, and that's the Apostle Paul. Nobody can dispute that. Paul finished well. Paul didn't start so well, though. He was a persecutor of the Christians. Uh, he was even there at the stoning of Stephen, given his approval. But the Lord gave him the opportunity for a fresh start. And he then took the next steps of faith and continued on in the journey. He stood firm when things did not seem fair, and he finished well. At a previous church I was on staff at, we had a drama team, and I remember the leader telling her team this, you are only as good as your last act. Hmm. You are only as good as your last act. Um, Paul's last act was one of faithfulness. Even as he faced execution from a Roman prison, he finished well. Uh, let's see what we can learn from Paul today, uh, how to finish well, too. Listen to what he says to Timothy as he approached his death in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. As you turn there or swipe there or click there or however you want to get there, uh, just a little background on what's going on here. Paul's writing to Timothy to encourage him in pursuing God's call in his life. And I'm going to begin reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 8 to get the context, but we'll be focusing on the last part. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. He's talking to Timothy now. He says, 
listen to me, Timothy, I want to give you this. And he says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with uh, sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, you keep your head in all situations. Endure the hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Give it everything you got. And this is where I want to take it uh, today. Verse 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Paul says, I've already given everything I've got. I've laid my whole life on the altar of God. I've come to the end. I've, I've, that's it. I've already poured out my whole life as a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. That word departure here uh, signifies a, a boat or a ship leaving the harbor. Casting off and leaving the harbor out to voyage. Or, or denotes uh, soldiers striking camp, ready to march on. And that's what Paul's saying. And the time has come for my departure. Look where Paul's at. He's in a Roman prison. He's actually in a dungeon. It was designed as a cistern. It had a stink. It was dark. It was not we have today and he's trying and his execution is soon Nero's going to take him out and sever his head from his body he knows it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and Paul can almost hear the Roman boots overhead in fact, he, he's, he's worried he's not even going to finish the letter. It could be now. That's how close. He knows it's going to happen. And he tells Timothy this, verse 7. I, and, and, and Paul says this in like staccato-like burst. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I've kept the faith. Wow. No... You know, I think I did pretty good. No, Paul knew what he had done. And he's telling Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Look at verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul nearing his execution is concern for others to come to salvation and encourages Timothy to discharge the duties of his ministry. Timothy, fully carry out the ministry God's given you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Paul knew how to do that. It wasn't easy, but he kept going. And he's telling Timothy to do the same. Discharge all the, do it. Just carry it out. How is it that Paul is able to face what he's facing and yet come to the end of the race, the end of his journey of life, and still be focused on others coming to Christ? 
What a man. What a man. It's because Paul's focused on the eternal and not the temporary. He knows what's about to happen, (laughs) but he's focused on the eternal, not the temporary. If we're going to finish well, we need to keep our focus as well. Keeping our focus on the eternal is what is going to enable us to do the other things that are required for finishing well. And what are those other things? Well, Paul tells us in these verses, first, finishing well requires fighting the good fight. And it's a fight, fighting the good fight. Notice this does not say fight each other, but fight the good fight. It's a good fight we're in. It's a good fight we're in, Paul says. What is fighting the good fight? Hebrews describes fighting the good fight as running with perseverance, with keep on keeping on, with a purpose in mind. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Remember watching that race? Those guys just had little nylon shorts on and a tank top. They didn't have anything on that was going to weigh them down, right? They got to have as much speed and ability they can. Well, Paul says, cast off everything that's going to weigh us down. Run the race. Run the race. This Christian life is not a walk in the park. I'm not telling you anything. I want you to clearly know that becoming a Christian is not going to make you rich (laughs) or necessarily heal you physically or bring some great earthly reward. In fact, becoming a Christian and living the Christian life may make your physical life harder. I'm just being honest with you. Becoming a Christian does not make your life easier, but it will provide the ability for you to be more joyful in the midst of whatever is going on in your life. But you must persevere. You must fight the good fight. So in this good fight, what are we fighting for? We know we're in a fight. We need to persevere. What are we fighting for? There are two things go hand in hand in this fight, and the author of Hebrews outlines them for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2. Where do we need to keep our eyes? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Where do we need to keep our focus? On Jesus. I don't remember this far back. Jeff may. But back in the horse and buggy days, back in the, Jeff will talk to me later about this, I'm sure. They would put blinders on horses, right? So they couldn't see left or right, but stay on the path or the road or the trail marked in front of them so they wouldn't get off. Sometimes we need to have those blinders on and we need to keep our eyes focused straight ahead on Jesus because there's a lot of things that get us off the path. (laughs) There's a lot of things that can do that. We need to fight against any hindrances and sins that seek to invade our life. We need to fight for keeping our eyes fixed on Christ and not on the hindrances and the sins and temptations that Satan puts in front of us. Now, this is not as easy as it sounds. 
How many times have you started off on a, on a project or something and something distracts you? Or you start off on fire for the Lord doing something and something distracts you? It's not Jesus distracting. We know who it is. It's our enemy. That's where the fight is. This is why it's a fight. It's difficult and requires that we battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. Now look at these pictures. Now, this is our modern warrior. Wow. I would say he's pretty prepared. Wouldn't you? I mean, he's got everything on that's going to give him the edge when he confronts the enemy. We've all gone through the armor of God, and we know what the helmet is and so forth and so on. But think about this, being ready for battle. Guys, ready for battle. We need to be ready for that fight. <laughs> we need to arm ourselves because it is a fight. We can't do it. If he took all that gear off, there's no way he's going to go in the battle. He's got to have that for protection. All the pieces of armor ultimately have to do with our faith. And we need to keep our faith strong. How do we keep our faith strong? Spending time with God in prayer and devotions, reading the word and meditating on it. That word meditate simply means get that verse in your mind and turn it over and over and over and over again on it. Not just read a chapter and say, okay, I've read today. But get that verse and meditate on it. Arm yourself. Doing Bible study as a group. There's something about being with other Christians <laughs> that reinforce you for the battle. Being connected and accountable to other Christians. Boy, we need that. That's why it's so important to be here on Sunday morning. It's family. We are family. When one hurts, we all hurt. We share things together. We're in this battle together. Let's not try to fight it alone. We need others, and we need others to be accountable to. Um, doing these things will help us fight the good fight by being strengthened and to resist temptation and keep our eyes on Jesus so we can walk worthy of the calling he's given us. I, I so want to be worthy of his calling. I, I so want to be someone a child that he's proud of. These are the things that are going to keep you running well on the journey and bring you to the point of being able to finish well. Finishing well not only requires fighting the good fight, but finishing well requires finishing your work. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have finished the race. I finished the race. Does that mean just getting to the end and dying? No. Look at Paul, knowing that he's about to be executed, and he's still going. He's still going. He didn't just say, oh, well, this is the end. No. In Acts chapter 20 and uh, verse 23 and 24, he gives further explanation of this. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Wow. That's all that matters. 
the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He wanted to complete the task that God gave him. He wanted to finish the work. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17, he also says, he tells a friend of his to see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. See to it. Finish it. God's given you something to do. Finish it. Don't quit. Finish it. Now Paul had a special calling. He did. Wow. Testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That was his mission in life. Not every one of us have been given that same mission. But God's given us each a purpose. We're here for a reason. Have you ever wondered when God saved you, when you became a Christian, why he didn't just say, take you home? No. The work's not finished. It's just started. He's left us here for a reason. We each have a purpose. We need to finish the work toward our purpose. For most of us, a major part of our purpose is found in what many of us consider normal life. Just everyday living. Be a husband who loves his wife. Be a wife who respects her husband. Raise your kids in a godly manner. Finish the work. Live your life in a way that is a testimony to God's grace. Man, I think about that every day. I've, someone's watching me. Someone's watching you. <laughs> they may be just waiting for you to slip up. But someone's watching us all the time. That's a big responsibility, don't you know, to represent Christ the right way? Finish the work. Um, without completing and finishing these tasks, any other task or work given to you by the Lord will be marred. Um, Bob Pierce was the founder of World Vision and a leader of Samaritan's Purse, which you may have heard of Samaritan's Purse with Franklin Graham. Bob Pierce was one of the leaders when it first started, putting it on the map. And while Bob did a lot of great things for the Lord, he didn't finish well. Um, his uncontrolled temper led to his departure from world vision. And his own passions and desires led him to focus on the visible things and he paid little attention to his family responsibilities. On his final trip to Asia, his daughter called and asked him to come home. He refused and, in fact, extended his trip. His wife went home. By the time she got there, the daughter had attempted suicide. A year later, she tried again and succeeded. Pierce was in the hospital in Switzerland at that time, suffering from a nervous breakdown. And up until four days before his death, he was estranged from his family. He didn't finish well. Don't forego the task that God gives you that seems small to you, that may be less visible to people, but are so important and visible to the Lord, like your family. Perhaps God's given you a further calling. We must continue to remain faithful to the few things, even as we have been given more responsibility. 
Maybe he's called you to mission work. Maybe he's calling you to service here at Creekside. There's a lot of things to do here. There's a lot of things to do. If you, if you need something to do, come see me. Come see me. I'll help you find that, okay? Maybe he's calling you into full-time ministry. Don't know. You say, oh, I'm too old for that. No, look at Moses. <laughs> Never too old. Not following his call and finishing the work he gives you will only cause you to finish this journey of life with regrets. Dean and I were talking about that this morning. We've known a lot of people that heard the call of God and just ignored it or known people that have been called and they start out well and now they're doing something else. Um, if you're going to finish well, I echo Paul's statement. He said, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. Finally, finishing well requires faithfulness to Christ. 2 Timothy 4, 7 again says, I have fought the good fight. Paul says, I've finished the race. And he says, I've kept the faith. I've kept the faith. We must keep the faith. We, we must continue to trust Christ. Keep on keeping on. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. There are times we're going to have to move out on faith. Even when we don't see how the Lord's possibly going to work things out. I know there's been times in my life where I couldn't see how this is going to happen. I know you've been there. I know you've been to the place where, you know, without, I, I just don't know how it's going to happen. I just don't know how it's going to work out. We've got to take that first step of faith. We've got, we have to continue to trust the Lord. I look back on my own call into the ministry. And while it was a time where God grew me greatly in my faith, um, I think of all that I would have missed out on if I would not answered when I did in obedience to the Lord. It was one of the scariest things I ever did, but it was the best thing I ever did. Answer the call. Um, a little background on myself, if you'll let me. When I graduated high school, I was one of these guys that, I'm done with school. I was glad to be out. I mean, <laughs> they probably graduated me just to get rid of me. I was that kind. Uh, not going down the right path. When I got out of high school, I said, no more school. I'm not going to college. I just want to work. I just want to get out there. Vietnam was going on. I may be drafted. Who knows? But getting ready to turn 18. But go, I go. Hey, but I'm not going back to school. There's no way. Fast forward a few years, not a few years, a couple years. Events and situations and circumstances happen in my life that God has a way of getting your attention. And uh, when he did, he was impressing on me to do something. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. 
All I knew, I wasn't going back to school. <laughs> I already had that made up. You know, God, you can do anything, but I'm not going back to school. But he was, he was making a call on my life. He was impressing on me, David, you, I want you to do something for me. I want you to surrender to me. I want you to give your life to me and see what I can do with you. Long story short, I knew I wasn't going to be a preacher. Uh uh-uh. I'm not a preacher. I'm not going to be a preacher. I, and I knew I sure wasn't going to be a missionary. No, not going overseas, God. No, nope, sorry, hands off. No school, no going overseas. Not going to do that. Not going to be a missionary. Well, what, what, what can God do with me? What I knew I could do well was music. So all I'd known all my life was music. My dad was a song leader at our church. My mother played the piano. I grew up in that environment. My dad was a singer. I grew up in that way. Oh, that's all I knew. Well, God, can you do something with me even if I'm not going to be a preacher or a missionary? Yeah, dummy, you know. What did I gift you to do? Oh, yeah, I can do music. Well, yeah but you need to go to school. <laughs> it's not fair, God. It's not fair. You need to go to school and get your degree. <sighs> now I'm going to surrender to you, God, but <laughs> I know you've never been there, but that's where I was. Went four years seminary and other colleges, got my degree in music. And through that, from that point on, God used me in several different churches and different ways and different staffs and doing different things, all connected with music. It's like the long and winding road, you know. Leslie and I have been married 11 years, got it right, 11 years in October And uh, when I moved down here from Fort Worth, I got interested after a while, and I was working at the Woodlands Church in their audio tech department. Loved it over there. Loved the ministry. Pastor Kerry Shook was awesome working with him, uh, meeting people like Lee Strobel, which is a teaching pastor over there. Got connected and everything. But something was still... Something going on. Yeah, God's still using me, but Leslie was coming here. And so I came with her a couple times. And the one time I did come, which <laughs> the only time I came was when we was having potluck. I, w- I would leave the Woodlands Church and come over here to eat, you know. That's the only time I would come. But one time I came to be in the service, and, man, it was awesome. And we sang How Great Thou Art that morning. And uh, I loved it. I loved worshiping and everything. Something <sighs> propelled me up to the platform after it was over with, and I went up to Joey, <laughs> and I said, listen, man, if, if you ever need any help with anything, like playing guitar or piano or vocals or anything, just holler at me. I'm, I'm married to Leslie, and, you know, I'm working over the woodlands, but, man, if you ever need me in a tight situation, let me know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I said, it's no big, no big deal if you don't. No, I don't. Yeah. Little did I know that next week, Joey almost cuts his hand off. <laughs> and he calls me. He says, oh, by the way, could you play guitar next week for me? So it's like thrown into the fire the very next Sunday. I haven't stopped coming since. <laughs> God called me here to Creekside for a reason. You see, if you, if you once give your heart to the Lord, you may get off that path. He has ways of getting you back where you're supposed to be. Now, said all that to say this. A few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I've been working with a music producer in Dallas, and I've gone up for several projects actually doing recording. For, I was an engineer on these projects. An engineer sits behind these big soundboards and records the artist. So that was my background. That's what I was doing for this producer. Been on several projects with him. He called me up one day. David, man, you've got to come up. I've built a new studio, and I want you to see it. Well, I went up. Beautiful. I had three studios in this one complex and everything. David, I've got a deal for you. I'd like for you to be my lead engineer over all the engineers. I said, mm, that, wow, that sounds good. But, man, Josh, I don't want to move. I, no, 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 you don't have to move. I'll pay your way, you know, back and forth and everything on projects. Well, come to find out, I would be gone two weeks out of the month doing these things, living in a hotel. And so I started adding up the expenses and everything. And I said, man, this, I'm not going to get anything. You have to know how the music business works in recording studios. You don't get a flat fee. You don't make like a hundred something thousand a year. You make per song that you record, and and there's all kinds of uh, ins and outs. So I didn't, I, man. I'm, so I shared it with the worship team up here and a couple of others. I said, man, you got to pray for me because I I just want to do what God wants me to do. <laughs> this is a hard decision. I love my life here. Uh, I'm just now enjoying my life with Leslie. Now that we're both retired. I'm enjoying that. We're moving to a new house. I'm enjoying that. And I, man, I, this is a tough decision. Pray with me. It's important to have people around you. It's important to have people around you that will lift your arms up <laughs> and pray with you, pray for you, be there for you. And I had those kind of people. Several weeks ago, all this is going on. It's coming down to the deadline. I'll be finished in a minute. Dan's already flashing the light back there. No. I, I worked at a church once that they had a, a light that would flash, but you know your time, you got, wrap it up, man, wrap it up. Um, several weeks ago, it's coming down to the decision day. That week, I've got to make a decision on this. One night, I was asleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I wake up. Have you ever just... Bang, you're up. Something startles you, awake. Well, that something was somebody telling me, David, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. I mean, just that audible. And I looked. Leslie's not there. I snore, so she says. So there's a lot of nights that I wake up, and she's moved to the couch in the living room, right? So she's not there. And I'm like, somebody's in this house. Somebody's in this house. I get up, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I walk around the house. Sure enough, she's asleep on the couch. 
House is dark. House is quiet. Three o'clock in the morning. Nobody's there. I swear somebody's here. <laughs> somebody woke me up telling me, don't quit. Don't quit. Years ago, I had somebody tell me, if God wakes you up in the middle of the night or if you wake up in the middle of the night, you should be praying about something. He wants you to be praying about something. So I'm thinking, uh, duh, what should I be praying about? Oh, yeah, there's this decision I've got to make. So I sit down in the chair in the bedroom, and it's going on 4 o'clock now. So I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this. God, what are you trying to tell me? Uh, hello, don't quit. Don't quit. And it dawns on me. He gave me work to do here at Creekside. You know, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't say, oops, I, I didn't really mean to send you over here. No, he doesn't do that. We're the ones that mess up. And he was telling me, don't quit what I've given you to do, the work I've given you to do, the purpose I've given you to do at Creekside. Don't quit. Wow. So I text Josh, my producer, in Dallas, because I knew he was up 4 o'clock in the morning. He's working. I told, and I had one question left, and I said, Josh, tell me, Am I going to be guaranteed money, or is this strictly like commission? Because I know the business. He, he said, no. I said, Josh, I can't do it, man. Can't do it. It's fine. I'll use you on other projects. I'm not abandoning you. But thank you and everything. So <laughs> the team knew that I, what I'd been going through, so I shared with them, and I said, guys, I'm sorry, but you're stuck with me. I'm not going anywhere. You're stuck with me until God moves me somewhere else. I'm here at Creekside. If we're going to put ourselves in a position of finishing well, we must be faithful to follow Christ. Even when we don't fully see how we can, he can work it out. Even when we're scared, he's given us the faith we need to take the next step. He's given it to us. It's there in front of us so that we'll be able to position, be in the position to finish well. So I started off with a question. I want to end with another question. I want you to ask yourself this. What can I do now that will help put me in the position of finishing well? What can I do now that will help me, help put me in the position of finishing well. Do you need to be more faithful working at your job? Um, we're to work as if we're working for the Lord. That's being faithful. Do we need to be more faithfully raising our kids in the Lord? Finish well. Do we need to take a step of trust and giving our tithe? of your income, or at least moving in that direction. Tithing is an act of trust in the Lord. You know, we trust Him to provide our needs on 90% of what He gives us and honor Him with the first part of our income. That's trusting. That's trust. Do you need to be sharing what God's done in your life with someone else? Maybe you think God hasn't done much in your life. Is that because you're stuck in neutral? 
unwilling to take the next step of faith that God's placed in front of you? I'd like to just take a moment here, and if you would close your eyes just for a moment, and go with me and imagine yourself sitting at a desk. Now open the drawer of that desk and take out that piece of paper you see and lay it in front of you. Now pick up the pen you see and draw a line on that paper. I want you to write on that line what God's laying on your heart that you need to do right now. Then we're going to pray and ask God to help us make moves toward that so we'll find ourselves in the position of finishing well. You can look up. We're not going to be able to finish well in our own strength. Can't do it by ourselves. No way. That's why we need to pray and ask for his help. Our Lord's not only able to help, but he desires to. Let's not forget that we have a redeemer. Wow. We have a redeemer who is alive and able to help us so that when we come to the end of our journey of life and we've walked with him in faith, we'll be able to hear the words that we long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Just tell you one more thing and we'll be done. My dad passed away. It'll be two years ago coming up the first of the year. 92 years of age. My, my dad became a Christian. He moved down here from Baltimore, Maryland when he was in the Air Force. Met my mother. My mother led him to the Lord. And he started stepping out in little things of faith. And when he finished teaching after 60 years, being faithful to a Sunday school class for 60 years, in his 80s, he quit teaching. He was still teaching 20 to 30 people every Sunday morning. Wow. He finished well. My, my dad finished well. And I have that to follow. My, my dad finished well. No regrets. He did what God told him to do. And he was faithful to it. And he finished the work. Let's pray. Lord, I, th I thank you because of the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of everything. I want you to let me finish well in life. The end of a thing is what matters most. And I'm depending on you for a good finishing. Lord, it doesn't matter how I have started but help me to finish well. Anything I start today, Lord, or that I've started that is yet to be completed, help me to complete it well. Lord, I put my life in your hands today. I know I'm running a race in this life I'm in, and I ask for the grace to finish well. Let me receive that crown at the end of it all like my dad received. I pray that you help me to do away with the things that will take me away from you and let my choices be in line with your will for my life. And 
Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you made it. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.